Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to the great episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I know last week we had a, a couple awesome episodes and we had a test pilot uh, on the on the podcast, which was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Carson actually lined that up, even though I'm friends with him for longer. It was kind of weird, uh, but it uh, but it worked out really nice. And uh, we had a great time talking with uh, with Kevin. So hopefully you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, it was fantastic just to talk, uh, talk airplanes and especially talk Icon A5. Um, even though I just found out my icon is going to need a, uh, the new rocket, uh, put into it, I think next month actually. So, uh, icon just told me I'm going to get a real nice repair bill for that. So it's down even longer for maintenance. Yeah. It's going to be down another month for maintenance, I think, but, uh, I'm trying to get him convinced to, uh, to let me repair it in long beach. So I don't have to fly it literally across the U S to, uh, to Florida to get the rocket replacement done. So that would be the only downside. We can both keep losing weight so we can fly that thing together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so since last week, I'm down another pound and a half, so I'm going to go for it. <laughs> so uh, today, though, we have an amazing guest for you. His name is Justin Sullivan. Um, Justin's the CEO of Ajax Jets. He's got a long history of a- uh, aviation entrepreneurship. Um, he started as a charter broker. Now he owns a fully integrated 135 operation. Um, he also has a 145 repair station, which is a maintenance facility that's regulated by the FAA. Um, it's very difficult to uh, get and hold on to, by the way. Um, I've worked on that process for a long time, so I know I know quite a bit about it. And he even has a charter business now. Um, he has a very unique business model that delivers incredible value to the owners uh, in his company system. He's told me about some of the, the jets that they work with and, uh, and how it's beneficial for their owners and for the clients. So I'm excited to kind of hear a lot about that, um, as well as how he thinks differently on his fleet of, of and classic business jets. Uh, welcome to our podcast, Justin. Thanks so much for being with us. Brandon Carson, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure meeting you, Justin. Uh, I know Brand set this one up, and I haven't gotten to meet you until this morning. But uh, can you tell us about how you got started with aviation? That's the, the first thing we always ask people on our podcast. Yeah, I, I graduated college and went straight into tech sales. So I worked for IBM for a couple of years and then another big computer company. And the, the, the te- there's a big tech downturn in the early 2000s. And a bunch of my colleagues left our company in Boston to go work for a company called Sentient Jet, which is the kind of the 800-pound gorilla, the inventor of the jet card. And they they made a career shift. I had never heard of this industry. I'd obviously seen private planes at the airport, but was just got very excited about the industry. Of, you know, I, I knew that I could add a lot of value and build a, a great business doing this. I'd done a lot of entrepreneurial things up to that point. And um, I talked myself into, I actually interviewed with Sension as a sales rep, but talked myself into a, uh, a position as VP of sales with a, a dot-com startup. So a company that was, that had raised a lot of venture capital and was going to take the, the on-demand charter space by storm. So I worked there for a few years, built up a very sizable book of business high net worth clients, athletes, entertainers, um, a lot of companies, and, you know, just really enjoyed what I was doing. As I mentioned, I've been very entrepreneurial in the past, and there was a, an inflection point about three years into my tenure 
where that company that I was working with sold itself to Sentient Jet. So I was fit at a decision point and decided to, to start my own business. So I've been a charter broker, which is really like a glorified travel agent whereby we have high net worth clients and people who desire to fly on private aviation and they, they need to, to take a trip. So they need to fly from Bedford, Massachusetts to Van Nuys, California. And the job of a charter broker is to represent that client's interests in the marketplace of air, aircraft. So part 135 airplanes that are duly authorized and have economic authority from the FAA to operate. So those are, um, those are air carriers that we, that charter brokers really serve as the intermediary with and did that independently for a number of years, about five years ago, maybe, maybe a little longer than that. I launched a parallel career path. I've been very enamored with the airplane ownership management side of the business. And really as a, a charter broker, I feel that it gives, you know, in hindsight has certainly proven this out. It gives me uh, and my company a great leg up and a competitive advantage in having our own proprietary fleet of planes that we can dispatch for our clients. Um, in addition to the brokered suite of thousands of, of aircraft all over the world. So I launched this parallel career path working with a company that was that really pioneered the business model that I'm in, which is you know taking older planes, putting nice new interiors into them, and getting top-rate charters. Did that for several years, and ultimately it was time for me to do my own thing. Um, raised a, a couple million bucks from some clients of mine who um, wanted to make a strategic investment in this industry and acquired a Part 135 air carrier about two years ago. And that actually brings up a great point. Everyone asks me how you how somebody can get into aviation or uh, how you can build a business in aviation because there's a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in the world um, or people that want to be entrepreneurs. And I'll tell you this, the big thing between an entrepreneur and, and just a, an average person is an entrepreneur gets it done. Um, they are a doer. Um, they have an idea and they execute on that idea, which it sounds like you did. And everyone always asked me at least, and I'm sure people have asked you, well, how do you get started in the industry? I don't know how to, how to get started. I don't know any of these. Honestly, you need an anchor client. And it sounds like that's what you had. You had a couple anchor clients. I know some, uh, somebody who owns a, a couple FBOs. I asked how they got started. They said, I got an anchor client because unless you have yeah. millions of dollars up front, you have to get an initial client who believes in you as a person and believes that you will execute on those ideas in entrepreneurship, um, which is, which is amazing. Uh, sounds like you've done that, uh, which is pretty fantastic. And, uh, and I kind of did the same thing. Everyone's kind of heard some of my story in the background where I've gone after I had to get a loan from three different people on one airplane so I can buy an airplane. And that was, I was my own anchor client actually, but, <laughs> uh, but it kind of worked out. I know that earlier you mentioned, um, a jet card, um, for some of our, our listeners, they might not know what a jet card is. Uh, could you explain what a jet card is and what it does for H and W's or, or high net worth individuals? Certainly. Uh, most of our business is charter. So it's, it's clients who desire to fly in that example from Bedford, Massachusetts to Van Nuys, California, 
they get a quote, quote is $35,000 one way. They book that, that transaction and do that trip. They have no further commitments and the company doesn't have any other commitments beyond that trip. A debt, a jet card is a pre-funded debit card. It's either in a, a cash denomination. So it's a hundred thousand dollar jet card or a quarter million dollar jet card. And that entitles the owner to access aviation on a predetermined um, occupied hourly rate schedule. So for uh, one of our planes, an occupied hourly rate would be about $12,000 per flight hour. And um, it's it's a very bite-sized, um, maybe not bite-sized, but it's it, it, it's a it's a product that, that people can purchase that they can set it and forget it. They buy that jet card, they buy that membership, and now they have one single point of contact and they don't have the the, the, the challenge or, or inconvenience of moving money back and forth every time they want to fly. The, the concept was pioneered by Ascension Jet membership back in the early 2000s. And you know the industry has really gone through a lot of, of um, lot of changes at one point it was the thing to do you you may remember the marquee jet card which was a 25-hour access point into net jets the the challenge with jet cards from an operator standpoint is that it creates an entitlement so somebody if you have too many people who have entitlements to be able to call out a jet and they all want to do it on a peak day or on a day of, of limited availability it creates a lot of operational pressure onto the, the whoever sold that jet card. Um, so we've done it in the past and frankly it, it caused us a lot more problems than it than it created opportunities and we've, we've we've gotten away from that and the only people who have a contractual entitlement to, to call out a plane with us are the owners of the plane. So every plane that we manage is owned by a different high net worth family or or, or corporation. That's neat. I know you said that you brokered jets. So have you ever purchased uh, a jet yourself? And if you have, what was that like buying your first jet? I know I've always wanted to uh, to own a jet. It's on my my bucket list and it's actually on my, my 10-year goal list. Um, I will own a jet. I will tell you that. That will be for sure. Uh, but what was that like buying your first jet? I mean, it had to have been kind of an exhilarating experience, especially being in aviation. Well, it was pretty cool. I was working as I mentioned in that parallel career path where I was didn't have my own 135. So I was managing planes and leasing them to other part 135s. And I saw the cash flows that the Falcon 50s generate even back in the day. There's, there's a lot of operational efficiencies and things that you can do with Falcon 50s that you can't do frankly with any other business jet. And back in 2015, 16, that was a million dollar asset. So pretty shocking to be able to get into a nine seat super midsize jet that has coast to coast range for about a million dollars. I, I had a lot of confidence in it just from seeing the cash flows of the jets that I was managing. And that gave me the, the confidence to go and, and do it. Um, quick disclaimer, I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I do great, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a high net worth individual. So I had to do some creative financing and some some different things to, to make that jet purchase happen. So quick aside, I, I happened to know the owner of this plane and he was 
living in Boston, a couple towns over from me. We become friends, and the jet was more than he wanted to. He he had done everything he needed to do with jet, except he he, he wanted to be able to take it a couple times a year to between Boston and West Palm Beach, maybe thirty hours a year. So in arranging this purchase, he gave me a bit better deal than he otherwise might have because I gave him a cut rate deal on for, for the next three years on his flights between Boston and West Palm Beach. So he was able to get what he wanted and I was able to get myself into a plane by, by frankly mortgaging my house. Wow. And that is crazy, but it's not that crazy. I mean, for you to be an entrepreneur, you got to be crazy. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, all of us entrepreneurs are absolutely bonkers and nuts, uh, because we do things like that and we bet it all on, uh, on ourselves. And if you bet on yourself, you will win. I guarantee it because you put it all out there and it sounds like you're winning. And it sounds like that deal, which was very creative. Um, it, it's worked out for you so far. I know that, uh, uh, every time that somebody wants to structure a big deal like this, I went to a conference a couple weeks ago, um, in, in Key Largo, I believe it was. Uh, and when I went there, I met with a lot of bankers who are in the private jet market. I also met appraisers in the private jet market. Almost everybody was in the private jet market, um, that was there. And it was really a fantastic show to go to or a conference to go to because I learned how creative these deals get. I mean, I was really kind of surprised with, I was hearing terms of only like a 40% loan to value. Uh, that's all they were giving them 40%. And they had a three year note with a balloon payment at the end. I was like, what is, how does this even make any sense? Um, but I guess for some people it does. It sounds like a hard money loan. It did sound like a hard money loan, but it was from like a major bank. Um, I just was in the room and I heard it in like the background, but it sounds like a hard money loan. Cause I mean, I've seen hard money loans all the time and actually I wouldn't even take that deal. So there had to have been some reason behind it. I just don't know what it was, but uh, uh, maybe I'll figure it out one of these days. But uh, but yeah, yeah, um, I'll, I'll share with you that financing these jets is tough. Um, it, most airplane finance companies don't want to touch something that's fifteen years. It's older than fifteen years old, and you know our our oldest jet is from nineteen eighty one, you know Ronald Reagan's first term, and our our youngest jet is ninety six. It's a Falcon 900 and a 1993 Falcon 50. You know, you get into these planes, they have brand new interiors, they have updated avionics, they, it looks and feels like a, like a brand new piece of equipment. But that doesn't matter for, for airplane finance companies. And, you know, just, there, there's a lot, a lot to unpack. The, the market for used executive business jets is still pretty hot. I thought it would, after the, the, tax incentive of the, the CARES Act tax incentive where you get a 100% bonus depreciation that, that expired at the end of the year. I thought that would really pop this this balloon, but it hasn't. Um, and the market for Falcon 50s, there's, Falcons in general, they're just very well-built machines that, that have almost an infinite airframe life. There are Falcons flying around from the 70s and our planes from the 80s and 90s will still be flying 25 years from now due to the continuous airworthiness programs of these planes. I was going to ask you, what do you think the business jet market will be like in the next year? I know I'm hearing, um, I'm, and when I say the business jet market, I, I don't just mean the, the sales part of it. I mean um, the usability of it, how much of 
the high net worth net worth individuals utilizing the the private jet market and business jet market in the future because everyone says this recession is looming supposedly 80 percent chance of happening the end of this year federal reserve keeps raising rates all these things are still happening so i'm kind of curious on where do you think it'll be in the next year and I ask mostly for the reason, uh, because a lot of our, our listeners are pilots or soon to be pilots. They want to know what's going to happen in, in our marketplace. Um, it, because if people aren't using planes, then they're not going to be flying. And obviously, they want to be flying. So where do you see that the business jet market's going to be in the next year? Well, if you look at, at the, the big OEMs like Bombardier and Gulfstream and, and Textron, they've planned their supply chains out for the next five years, right? And they're, they're forecasting over 10% growth year over year in their, their new plane builds. They've got a backlog of orders that stretch out more than 18 months and companies like NetJets and FlexJet, I've heard they may be opening up some slots for fractional owners at the end of this year, but Pretty tight, pretty tight availability at that top end of the market. People who are buying $65 million Falcon 8Xs and $30 million Challenger 350s directly from the OEM. We focus on a different slice of the market. We're working with classic business jets that have been mostly depreciated by the previous owners. So a Falcon 50 that we operate two to three million dollar asset right now compared to a 30 million dollar asset for a comparable brand new super mid-sized jet so what i want to know is where are all these you know most of these owners who are buying these latest generation planes they are not first time airplane owners they're working on their third fourth fifth investment and as as their lifestyle continues to move up the food chain, they, they want more expensive toys. So I think that that's going to leave a, um, a very big hole in the market for more classic business jets and companies like ours that specialize in not only operating, but really maintaining, providing the, 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 the continuous airframe maintenance on the, these classic airframes that's going to be a real center of growth as the industry continues to evolve. That said, yes, about the charter and the usage side, what's happened in our business is in the last, after COVID in the 18 months since the initial shock, our market has continuously moved up. More demand, greater pricing power, but that's, that's due to people who don't want to fly commercially anymore, maybe some macroeconomic trends about how high net worth individuals and families have done very well in the last 18 months. Um, but it's really, due more, in, my, in my view, due more to the consolidation in the industry. So you've got three companies, Directional, Wheels Up, and Vista Global, who acquired seven of the largest 15 private air carriers in the last 18 months. So companies like Travel Management, Delta Private Jets, Mountain Aviation, Jet Edge, 
every one of those fleets is, was over 70 planes when they got acquired by those big companies. And those are those those companies are generally closed loops. So they they service their own membership and all of that supply was taken out of the charter market, creating a supply crunch. So you may have heard, this isn't exactly breaking news, that there's a company called Wheels Up that's having some financial difficulty. What's funny is right? um, we, <laughs> I while you were talking, Carson and I have our, our screen over to the side and I actually was typing in uh, for Carson to ask a question <laughs> right now about what you're about to talk about. So that is hilarious. Yeah, Justin, you're, you're segueing from one thing into another. It's awesome. <laughs> we were just about to ask but, Carson. Uh, we're on the same page. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a contrarian point of view, guys, but Wheels Up has, I don't know how big their fleet is, but say it's 500 planes and they're losing a million five a day. They're about to get delisted off of the New York Stock Exchange and their CEO just quit. I'm not making any judgments, but what's going to happen to the charter market if those 500 airplanes come back? into the charter market. Um, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's stranger things have happened. Um, I can't make heads or tails of buying a, an $8 million King Air 350i and trying to make money off of it, even at $5,000 an hour. It just doesn't, doesn't compute to me. Um, you know, all that debt service, all the operational expenses of carrying a plane, so I think it's a tough business model to, to be owning new planes and, and trying to make money by chartering them. You know, we, we've got a lot of leverage points with, with classic jets and, you know, the engines alone, the engines on Falcon 50s, you save half a million dollars a year on, on those engines compared to, you know, a comparable like Citation 10 or Citation Sovereign. So you'd have to... And it costs, you know, 20% as much to acquire one of these Falcon 50s as Citation 10 or Citation Sovereign. So, you know, if you're in business to make money, I think a Falcon 50 better move than than what Wheels Up did. Um, go ahead. So so it seems like Wheels Up just has a has a riskier investment, but it also seems like the, the reward is, is pretty good considering the size of the company. Um, are you seeing a, a huge difference in the risk versus reward that, that you guys have versus what wheels up has um, obviously it seems like things are going a little bit downhill for them, but they have more expensive yeah, fundamentally. ones. So just kind of makes sense that fundamentally they- we're, 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 we're different in, in every respect. Um, every, every one of the planes that we operate now is owned by a high net worth individual or a company. So we don't have any financial risk of, of operating them. Um, we run a pretty lean, lean organization we don't create entitlements. So with Wheels Up, they have 15,000 members who can call out a plane on a day's notice, no matter where they are in the country, and, and have a plane show up. You know, how's that working out for them? We don't do that. We, we, we stack our we, we fleet in nine planes. We stack our schedule very tightly based on the positioning of our airplanes. So we don't have to eat a four-hour deadhead across the country if we happen to be out of position to take care of one of our most important clients. 
if our if one of our clients needs to fly and our planes are out of position, we, just, we broker them something else. Nobody has an entitlement, and we don't have to pay. Not even if we did have to pay the debt service on a two or three million dollar Falcon fifty that's cash flowing fifty grand a month, um, that would be okay. But we don't have to, you know, and and not for nothing, but. A two to three million dollar investment is to everybody, you know, the three of us. That's a, that's a lot of money. To the guy who's who's looking, who's a lifestyle private jet traveler, he's probably has a net worth of fifty million or more. And for for that guy to to look at you know, making a, an investment that's four x what our what an investment in a Falcon fifty is. That's a big chunk of his net worth, whereas two to three million dollars, it, it's it's much more bite sized. Yeah, much much more bite sized. I mean, we can kind of run the numbers on what we would be doing. I mean, on a on on we do smaller airplanes. I mean, Carson hasn't bought his first airplane yet, but he will. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all do different size deals for where we're at in life. And by the way, I looked up to see how many aircraft Wheels Up has uh, while you guys were talking, and they have they claim to have over 1500 private aircraft. Um, and that's it says owned and managed airplanes. So, um, that's a lot of airplanes. And if, if 1500 airplanes went on the market, it's going to crush the marketplace. I doubt that would actually happen. They would have to get acquired, I would assume, but, um, that's, that's pretty insane. And, you know, speaking of 1500 airplanes, there, there's obviously a lot of job opportunities for pilots, uh, flying private jets. So how do you hire pilots in your part 135 operation? Uh, is there is there a difference between 135 and, and 91 operators? Is there, is there anything you're looking for when you do so, hire pilots? So 135, our employees are all full-time employees. So our, our, our pilots are all full-time employees. So we don't work with contractors. Everybody who's, who's flying for us has been to simulator school in the last year. And they've been to simulator school one of the, the FARs is that they have to go to this simulator school under our training program. So we'll have a program at CAE and another program at flight safety. And when we bring a pilot on, even if they've been, so even if we're poaching them from another air carrier and they, they went to school two weeks ago for a, a Falcon 50, we hire them. They have to have to go to school again for us. Um, the, the platform that we use for pilot hiring is called climb2350.com. That's the only place that we look for pilots. Um, it's free for us as a, a, an employer. So we're, uh, it doesn't cost anything, and we get a, a very steady stream of qualified applicants. That seems like it's the place to be. Some things have, have loosened up a bit in the, the training market. So previously, a uh, an initial Falcon 50 simulator, which is a three to four week, pretty expensive ordeal. Um, those were scheduling nine months out. So it was very difficult for us to bring in pilots who don't already have a type rating and most of the pilots that we've hired in the past 18 months or two years, I guess, have come to us with a Falcon 50 type rating. So they only have to go to an initial, or excuse me, they only have to go to a recurrent, which is, you know, a Falcon 50, about 12 grand and five days. That compares to, we, op 
I operate a couple Challenger 350s Part 91. And, you know, the simulator training for, for those is scheduling out, you know, many more months in advance than Falcon 50s. And the simulator training costs about 2x. So there, it's another, just one more data point of why classic jets are easier to, to operate, easier to, you know, a quicker time to value. And if you get somebody who, high net worth individual who buys a Challenger 350, spends $30 million on it, in order for him to get pilots without sending them to simulator training, he's going to have to go poach them from NetJets or FlexJet or, or ExoJet. And you know he's paying those those captains a quarter million dollars a year because they're really top dollar guys. Whereas Falcon pilots do not make that much; they're well compensated, but they don't make um, anywhere near what the, the the you know current rated captains of the the newer next generation planes make. So you know a lot of this is also word of mouth. You know, our planes are all over. Our pilots are in FBOs. Pilots have cool uniforms. We ran a we ran a sunglass promotion with these like ultra. Wish I had them here, but ultra clear lenses that we give to all of our, our clients who book charters with us. These like fifteen hundred dollars sunglasses, and we give them to all our pilots because we want them to all look awesome, right? So our, our pilots all have these these very cool designer frames with with. Um, crystal clear, bulletproof lenses. They just look like, you know, Top Gun fighter pilots. So we, we've got a look and we've got a, an, an aura about us. And it's a team that people want to be a part of. What are you looking for from a pilot that you want to hire? Um, you know, in terms of hours, what are you looking for? And then what what is the average kind of pay that these pilots can expect or, or benefits in a, in a job like this? So a... Uh, we operate a floating fleet. So unlike most air carriers that are based in a, a particular home base, so say we're, we're say we were an Orlando based flight department, you know, you're only hiring pilots that are within driving distance of Orlando. That's not how we do it. Our pilots live all over the country. They can live in 50 states as long as they have access to commercial transportation. And on day one of their rotation, they'll airline to their plane. So their plane might be sitting in Denver, and on crew rotation day, we're going to airline two pilots there. We're going to airline the other two pilots back to their their homes, and they're going to start a a 14-day rotation where they stay with the plane for 14 days. A senior captain in our program is earning $150,000 base plus benefits, including company-paid health insurance. And SICs are, are... really all over the map. Somebody who's a, a highly qualified rated SIC that maybe has 4,000 hours of, of total time, they, they they could jump into a captain's seat at any point. That guy's probably making 120 grand plus benefits. And somebody who is, you know, say we hire a, a Learjet pilot, put him through initial and, um, and you know, he's, he's, a thousand, like a thousand hours is our insurance minimum for an SIC. That that guy's probably making eighty five grand a year plus benefits. So that sounds like a really good kind of segue for uh, pilots who 
they've gotten their time uh, flying as a CFI and uh, and they've they've flown maybe 700 hours of CFI and they want to get their first job um, instead of waiting to go to the airlines uh, at 1500 or or more at some point uh, they can actually go to a company like yours and start making money uh, and making a lot better we money a thousand hours we have a thousand hour insurance minimum yeah yeah a thousand hours so we, we take 250 300 for them to get their CFI and then after that 700 hours or so oh, yeah, as a CFI, and then they get to you. Um, they're making a lot more money. I mean, eighty-five grand is is a lot better than a lot of flight instructors make across the U.S. Um, so that'd be fantastic. Um, how many hours a month do you think these uh, these pilots are getting uh, when they go and work for a company like yours? Well, a plane flies about hundred hours a month, and they're flying on it about 50 percent of the time. So probably fifty hours a month. Fifty hours a month. Flying. Is great. It's very 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 busy operation. Yeah, but you know, Falcon 50s, it's a, it's a super mid, so it flies coast to coast. So you know, in in two days, it could fly ten hours. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's a lot of a lot of flying. Um, do do you see a lot of turnover uh, because of the amount of hours you're giving? Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, do you see a lot of turnover in this industry right now? I mean, I see it kind of all over the place. I mean, as as flight instructors, I see flight instructors come and go every six months. Um, so are you seeing that or, or are people kind of staying? Mixed bag. I mean, certainly we, we've lost quite a few pilots to the airlines over the years. And we, we provide a, people like flying Falcons. You know, we operate 50s and 900s. It's the same type rating for a 50 and a 900. The reason why I yeah. ask that question is I'm I a, see I'm it a, as... As an opportunity um, for new pilots that are coming up, uh, the ones who just got their their um, flight instructor rating or just got their commercial pilot rating. Um, the reason why I asked the question is so people who are listening to us they know they can go to a company like yours, and there's going to be openings, and there's going to be openings in the in the near future um, for pilots. So. Uh, make sure that you're applying at these other types of companies. You can start flying a ton of hours uh, very early on in your career um, rather than having to wait till you get to 1500 and fly at an airline. You got to fly in a little 172 inside the pattern. Go fly something cool. I mean, I'd want to go fly a Falcon 50. That sounds awesome. Uh, so, Justin, whenever you just need somebody to go fill a seat for an SIC, uh, one that you can just sign off, just let me know if they're coming out of John Wayne or. Uh, Heck, I'll go over to uh, three takeoffs and three landings, and you're all set, right? Yeah, exactly. That's all I need, right? I already know how it all works. <laughs> no, not really. Um, yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, so, yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. This was quite awesome. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for being on with us today. And uh, you know, everyone, Justin's a great example of where aviation can take you. I know we talked quite a bit about being a pilot and going to airlines, but aviation is a thriving place that businesses can just grow. Um, whether you're going to be an entrepreneur like Justin or whether you want to be um, a pilot and you want to go fly any one of these cool, cool airplanes, uh, you know, going from a Cessna 172 to Falcon 50 is a pretty awesome jump to go make. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And uh, Justin, for all of our listeners who uh, would like to either possibly uh, invest with you by getting a, a jet of their own, uh, or if they're interested in becoming a pilot and working for you and your company, um, where can they reach you at? What's, uh, what's the name of your, uh, your company's uh, uh, website and uh, best email to get a hold of you guys as well? My email address is justin at ajax, A-J-A-X jets.com. Our website is ajaxjets.com. And if your your audience is interested, I, I have a YouTube channel that's called Your Friend with Jets. 
where I have dozens of videos, other podcasts like this, interviews and, and ideas with new planes that we're, we're trying to bring to market, um, new ideas, and you know, my perspective on things, which is obviously a bit contrarian. That's awesome. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed talking with you. I know we went a little longer than we uh, we said we would. Our, our podcast, typically, we've been having awesome guests, so they're going a little bit longer. So uh, everybody who's uh, who's our, our normal listeners, I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. Uh, but if you want to reach out to Carson or I, you can reach us at Twitter, Instagram. For me, it's at Mr. Martini Guy. For Carson, it's at Carson underscore AV17. And as always, we prefer uh, via email. I'm Brandon at AviationMentors.com and Carson at AviationMentors.com. And there's uh, one more thing that we were looking at, the uh, climb to 350. This is absolutely something to go and check out uh, if you're looking for a job in aviation. And we're, we're just looking at this website and there's so many listings that you can go and go and go after. Um, so it's a great stepping stone, especially on your way to airlines or even another program. But as always, as we wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.